say hello. Hello. You're listening to A Little Birdie Told Me, a Winnie Wagtail podcast. I'm your host, Rosie Gundalak. I'm a mum of two and registered midwife. And throughout this series, I'll be speaking with experts in their fields. I'm asking the questions we're all wondering as we fumble and find our way through parenthood. On today's episode, Jennifer Anderson on picky eating. For many of us, mealtime is stressful and it doesn't have to be. We want to get good nutrients into our kids. We want full tummies, lots of energy and a well-rounded diet. Unfortunately, that can be easier said than done in some situations. I know firsthand having a picky eater can drive you crazy and you're offering these foods over and over and over and they're just not budging and you end up falling back into those patterns of a peanut butter sandwich or whatever their go-to food is just to get them full and you're back to square one again. You don't really know where to go and you can feel really lost and you feel like you're wasting lots of food and you want to rip your hair out and you don't know where to go. So who is coming to the rescue? Jennifer Anderson is. Jennifer has a phenomenal Instagram account called Kids Eating Color. She's got almost 900,000 followers. She's a dietitian and a mum of two previously picky eaters, however, now are eating phenomenally colourful diet of fruits, veggies, whole grains, meats, fish, the lot. So today we're going to pick her brains and hopefully learn a few tips and tricks to help our little ones eat a colourful, nutrient-dense, filling diet. I spoke with Jennifer earlier. Hi, Jennifer. How are you? I'm great, Rosie. Thank you so much for coming on. I really, truly appreciate it. Um, Firstly, I love your feed. I have a picky eater myself and you definitely have helped me um, with a few tips and tricks along the way. Before we jump into sort of the nitty gritty of how, um, what we should be doing to help our little ones eat a more colorful diet, I thought I'd just sort of see how you became this sort of Instagram picky eating sensation, sort of where did it all start for you? Oh, that's a great, that's a great question. So um, I'm a registered dietitian nutritionist and I don't, wouldn't say I was overly concerned with child nutrition until I had my own child and um, he fell off the growth chart when he was, well, he started to, weight became a concern around his six month or nine month appointment. And I thought, wow, this is a lot harder than I thought it was. <laughs> Fast forward mm-hmm. a couple of years, I realized that, you know, providing a high calorie diet for him was really important. And my other child was a much more selective eater. And I remember standing in the kitchen making this cute little lunch to send with my preschooler in the hopes that he would eat while he was at preschool, thinking to myself, I cannot be the only mom struggling with this. And a couple months later, I started my Instagram feed with um, just pictures of my son's lunch and little tips. You know, here's what I do. Here's taking the evidence that I understood at the time to help kids learn to eat better and providing it in a way that was useful for parents and, um, you know, that was three years ago, or I guess three and a half years ago now. And it just has really grown from there. 
Yeah, it's amazing. I love how simplistic and like beautiful your feed is. It's very, you know, catching to the eye, which I guess food really should be for our kids and for us. You know, we do eat with our eyes and our senses and, you know, you break it down so simplistically. It It's very um, informative, but it's very bite-sized. And mm-hmm. I really, I think you're, you're, what you're doing is phenomenal. It's great. Well, thank you so much. So um, on your feed, you know, as your name suggests, um, you do stress the importance of a colourful diet and sort of eating from all areas of and food groups. I'd love to be getting my little boy to be eating um, some of the foods you're plating up, definitely. What are your tips in revamping your child's food routine? So if you were starting from scratch and you had a picky eater, what's your go-to? What are you doing first? Sure. Great question. And believe it or not, I think that's the first time anyone has ever asked me that question. But here's here's what I would do. I would step back as the parent and acknowledge to myself that I'm not a bad parent because my child is eating because of whatever they're eating, whether they're eating a lot or they're eating a little or whether it's picky. This is a really important step because we tend to be really hard on ourselves as parents if our child is not eating well. That encourages us to get emotionally involved with whether they're eating or not. And next thing we know, eating is extremely stressful for us. And that takes away our energy, that takes away our the heart out of it. It it makes us dread mealtimes. Totally. It makes it very unmotivating for us to do anything to help our child. So I think the first step is really checking in with yourself and saying, where am I at? Is this extremely stressful? And if so, then I need to take some stress out of it. Yeah. The second thing that I recommend is kind of, you know, it's it's kind of a tie, a tie for a second. The first is you... Um, you really want to take the pressure okay. off your child as well. Because think about how much pressure you're under. Chances are you've been putting that onto your child as well. And I don't mean that in a judgmental way. That's just what happens when we're stressed about what our No, they feed off our energy. Yeah. 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 When we're stressed, we put the stress on them. We start saying, oh, three more bites, two more bites. You got to taste this. You got to do that. And they're like, oh, I don't like mealtime either. So now you have two people who don't care about mealtime <laughs> and nobody wants to eat the veggies. <laughs> yep, totally. And yeah. so at the same time, I recommend just coming up with a policy of like, you can eat what you want that's on the table. It doesn't mean we're giving our child the power to choose whatever they want to eat. It means that we're saying, you know what? You're the expert of your body and you're allowed to eat what you want from what's on the table. I'm the expert on what needs to be on this table as the parent. So I'm going to choose that. Yeah, right. Okay. Um, So that step of saying, this is what needs to be on the table is your job. And that step of them actually eating the food is their job. When they begin to feel less pressure and less drama at mealtimes, it's amazing what happens. I just got an email from an incredible mom who's been starting to implement these principles over the past maybe six months. And she said, you know, finally we decided that we were just going to put the table, put, put the food on the table and they were allowed to put whatever they wanted on their own plate. And then it was up to them whether they wanted to eat it. And she said, you know what's happened? My nine-year-old daughter is suddenly eating a good, a 
good amount of food for her body for the first time ever. And she said to me, you know, mom, it's funny how food tastes so much better when you're not forced to eat it. Can completely appreciate that for sure. I think that's definitely an important step in the process is sort of taking that sort of all those sort of psychoanalytical games out of it and those mind games that we can play, you know, eat, you know, eat this. It's, you know, it's really good for you. And I think, you know, I love your wording um, with a lot of things like carrots, you know, they help you see at nighttime, they give you great night vision. I think all of that is really clever and sort of changing the angle and taking the pressure out of it, I think is really important. Right. And the other thing is really to eat with your child, because when you serve one family meal, even if it has, uh, you know, some extra foods added on for your picky eater, when you're eating together with your child as often as makes sense for your family, you're giving them the opportunity to see a lot more foods than they, than they ever want to eat. And that gives mm. them the exposures that they need to learn to like it, which often takes a lot longer for a picky eater. They're very good tips. Um, I noticed and, you know, I have um, downloaded your free From Stress to Success, Four Ways to Help Your Child Eat Better Without Losing Your Mind. I love that. I think that's fabulous. You have four steps there. Now, do you do you think implementing that as well um, when, you know, you're – changing up your routine? If you were initially starting um, to um, introduce this to your little one, should yes. you, is this a phase one approach or is this something to do yeah. after you've sort of started the process? Great question. So as long as you have initially kind of come to grips with yourself and your own emotional state, right? That is a great time to start this because um, all the tips I give in there are appropriate for children starting really when they eat solid food. So around six months, a lot of times people are like, I, I always laugh because people say, oh, I have a six month old. This doesn't apply to me. But then I also get that email from people with a one-year-old, two-year-old, three-year-old, four-year-old, five-year-old, 10-year-old, six-year-old, <laughs> like yeah. every age. So people assume, oh, there's there's something about the age of my child that makes this not work. But actually, this these principles work at every single age of a young child. Now, when the child starts to have enough independence, um, they're going to stop working. They're, these rules yeah. are not going to work with teenagers, right? You need to yeah. build a You're different dealing sort with of attitude partnership. and a whole lot of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right, right. Yeah. Although I feel like I started to see that, see that in my own six-year-old. Yeah, I didn't realize. <laughs> yeah, the my two-year-old started can. so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. true. <laughs> it's true. But yeah, right. Starting right away. Um, you know the the four steps in there that I talk about of like you deciding what is going to be served and having a place to eat and all those things. They're so important starting right away. Yeah. Fabulous. Um, so when introducing a new food, um, I saw on your Instagram the other day, you spoke about a polite bite. Do you want to speak a little bit about that? Sure. So it out there in many cultures all over the world, there are different ways of helping kids learn to eat food. There are many traditions that one comes to mind is French French tradition where they just have a culture of everybody tries a bite of everything and that is culturally upheld and that's how that has worked for that group of people. 
in other cultures, I see there's, there's uh, at least in the United States, there's traditions of, you know, you have to eat three bites, you have to eat two bites, you have to eat this many bites to get this dessert. There, it, there's all this negotiating that goes on. It's yeah. very interesting and doesn't often lead to the results that parents are looking for. So these one bite rules, they, I, I don't have a hard and fast like, yes, these are great or no, they're not because I've seen them be used really well and I've seen them be used really not well. (laughs) So I, I really, I, I like to hold a lot of nuance when talking about one bite, one bite rules because they can be helpful and they can be harmful. That said, there's a new movement of what's what people are calling the no thank you bite or the no polite bite. And I haven't quite figured out what the origin of this is, but I know a lot of people think it's a great idea because it sounds good. Take a bite. You got to take a bite. And then you can tell yeah. me. Um, after you when take you that bite, you can tell me. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the difference is people are calling it this no thank you bite which really suggests that you're not allowed to say no thank you to something until after you take a bite of it. And even worse is this polite bite idea where you, you must take a bite in order to be polite. And there I have to draw the line and say, you know what, we've moved beyond just encouraging kids to taste something. And now we're starting to include emotional uh, reactions and social graces into whether or not someone takes a bite. This becomes really difficult. What if a child is allergic to something? What if it makes them feel bad? Now suddenly they're going to be in where in order to be polite in your home, they must take a bite. And I don't think that's helpful. I think that sets the wrong precedent for kids listening to their body. And I think we need to teach kids how to advocate for themselves and how to be really clear. I don't have to try it if it, I feel deep down this is not right for me. In fact, how I would you still respond as the parent? Teach- how, how would you, sorry to interrupt you, well, how would okay. you respond? Yeah. Yeah. So the, what we do in our house is we're teaching our children to be polite, which means when someone puts something on the table that looks really gross to you, you can look at it with a straight face. You don't have to make a crazy face. And you know, we're, we're still, we're still learning that. Getting there. And if someone asks you if you want something rather than saying, "Ew, gross, I don't want to eat it. You can say, no, thank you. Right. Yeah. So we're teaching them. How do you be really polite? You know, in a, in a social situation, I actually don't have to, um, take one bite of anything. In fact, as a hostess, I would feel more offended if someone took one bite and then said, no, thank you, than if they didn't try it at all, right? Totally. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> so, and, and we actually don't have one bite rule in our house because I find um, no pressure methods to be so effective. And there are ways where you can engage a child in trying a food that doesn't require having a rule that says you have to try it. My kids are very strong children. They, they have a very strong will. And why do I want to, why do I want to like engage that rule mentality of like, Oh, now mommy's gonna make me take this bite when instead we could play a game and that could 
encourage my child not only to take a bite, but to learn to like something of their own accord. And now they choose to eat it. And it was never a big deal because it was never my idea. It was their idea, right? Yeah, that's a very good point. I think that's probably where I have definitely fallen down. I think I probably do a bit of the whole, can you, could you just try it? You know, take a little bite. I I definitely have done that in the past and he just pushes back. And then before you know it, Mm -hmm. we're back to a peanut butter sandwich again. So I think. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. So um, I will definitely be taking that on board. I think personally. It's totally normal. I mean, I've done it myself and I have, I mean, it is my career to help parents and not do this. And I've done it myself. Do you always provide a safe food when, you know, you're doing your bento boxes and, you know, providing sort of a couple of little new foods mixed in with some tried, tested, safe foods? Do you always make sure that you've got a safe food on the plate to sort of, one, make sure that your little one's satiated, but also Mm -hmm. to sort of ease them into it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Hands down, I think this is something that parents think is a crutch, but in reality, it's their superpower. If you put a safe food on your child's plate, not only are you guaranteeing that they're going to be able to get the energy that they need, but you're also engaging them in the eating process. And when they start to eat, they feel comfortable. They start to feel less frantically hungry, and then they want to eat more foods. So every meal, every snack, there should always be something where your child looks at it and thinks, that's familiar to me, I feel comfortable, and I can eat that. Now, they may choose not to eat that at some times, and that's their choice. We always have the option not to eat. Uh, We just have to wait until the next meal or snack if we make that (laughs) choice. Yeah. Um, You also speak about not using sweets as a reward, but rather implementing them into your meals. Um, I really mm-hmm. like that concept. Do you want to speak a little bit to that for um, maybe the parents out there that haven't thought of this? Sure. So this is, a, this is another thing where parents often are like, uh, mm, that's crazy. You're crazy. A lot of people read this idea. So I often serve dessert with the meal. What it does is it levels the playing field between the dessert food and the regular food on the plate. It, it makes it, it, it's just all there. You can eat it whenever you want. All of a sudden, those battles of like three more bites until dessert, they're gone because dessert is right there. And if they want to eat dessert first, they can. The thing to remember is you don't want to give them such a large portion of dessert that they could fill up on dessert and therefore not eat anything else because it's, it would be pretty natural for children to eat, you know, to completely fill up on ice cream. It's easy. It's delicious. Who would not want to fill up on ice cream? As their parents, we know that (laughs) while ice cream can be incorporated into the diet on occasion, filling up on ice cream is not ideal. Not ideal. (laughs) Yeah. Right, right. So including a small child-sized portion with a meal. Now for little kids, for a three-year-old, I would include like one chocolate chip in his lunch. And he was delighted. I got a chocolate chip in my lunch. It was great. We can really ease them in with very tiny portions that make them feel happy. A dietitian friend of mine is like, always says, you can 
put a few tablespoons of ice cream into a small little muffin cup, fluff it up, and it looks like a lot, but it was really only a few tablespoons for a five-year-old or something. Yeah, that's a great idea. Speaking about serving your meals at an eating place, rather than say, I have definitely done this, um, popped the TV on, or popped an iPad with their favorite TV show on, and they sort of will mindlessly eat more than if I was to have my little one sitting at the table, very conscious of his meal in front of him, mm-hmm. and maybe not eat much, if anything at all. Right. Um, right. How do you introduce that consistent eating place? Is it? Is, do you just do it, you know, night after night after night, and they get used to it, and you're routined, or do you um, have them sitting in the kitchen whilst you prepare the meal, or? Where do you have your kids sitting? Yeah, so we eat meals at the table or in the kitchen. That rule has been true for, you know, as long as they've been eating, really. They just know that. They also know that if they are sick with a fever and they've been laying on the couch all day, I will often bring them food on the couch (laughs) if they're sick with a fever. The kids know the rules and they want those structures so they know what to expect. And it's a hard rule in our house. If you're wandering around and you're carrying your food around, it's back to the table right now. That's, especially for children, it's a safety practice as well. We don't want them wandering around while eating. That's when choking happens and we don't want that to happen. So we want them sitting at a table without a screen so that they can mindfully engage in their meal. As parents, we get worried about how much our children are eating, especially in their toddler years. We watch our child eat two bites of food and we're thinking two bites of food is not enough for you what we don't realize is that it is enough for a toddler what what toddlers will often do is eat two bites today and as much as you tomorrow and that's actually okay people don't need the same amount of energy every day they don't need the same amount of food and toddlers are really good at listening to their body it doesn't mean every toddler listens to their body perfectly but most, 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 most toddlers that's a are really good, able to that's determine a really good how much point. they need. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll, I'll and definitely And so what take we do, yeah, when we sit our child down and we, we're thinking, oh, I just want you to eat a lot of food, and so I'm going to teach you to eat mindlessly, we're setting up a precedent mm-hmm. of mindless eating moving forward, and that's really what we want to yeah, get away from. Yeah, we don't want from, that. Especially... Mm-hmm. Right. We don't want mindless eating. As adults, many of us struggle because it is so easy to sit at the desk and work and eat our lunch and just mindlessly eat. And I do that myself. But we want our children. Yeah. And and, or maybe you're sitting in front of a movie and you're eating popcorn. Looking at your phone. Mm. Yeah, it's yeah. super easy. But what we end up doing is not eating what our body needs. Maybe we eat too much, maybe too little, maybe we eat foods that we normally wouldn't have eaten had we been paying attention to what we were eating. And so we really want to encourage mindful eating from the beginning. And then it also helps with picky eating. If a child is, is eating in front of a screen, they have no idea what they're eating. And that's why they, quote, eat better because they have yeah. no idea what they're eating. But yeah. then they don't ever True. learn to eat it. And that's the problem. Okay, good point. Um, so snacks and meals at the table. Do you implement the same times for meals every day? Do you have like 5.30's dinner time or 8 o'clock's breakfast time? Do you do that including snacks? 
Um, yeah, so it's really important to have an eating routine that the parent has set. So yeah. kids aren't just like eating throughout the day. Eating throughout the day is really unhelpful for a lot of different reasons. Um, so for us and our family, we do have a six o'clock dinner. I mean, sometimes it's late, sometimes a little early, but you know, generally yeah, totally. six o'clock is when Luck we come together to have dinner. Yeah. And we also have more or less a scheduled lunchtime, but again, life gets in the way and you know, it's roughly around right now, it's roughly around 12, 1230 during the school during the school year when our kids are actually in school, then it tends to be a little earlier in the day. And then we have a snack after nap time. So that might be a flexible time as well, but it's part of the routine. And then we have a morning snack that's kind of more or less timed. And then my children eat breakfast more or less when they wake up. I make it early and I have one child who needs to eat right away. As soon as he wakes up, he wants to eat. My other child wants at least an hour to warm up before he would sit at the table and eat. So I give them that, but the, the breakfast is there at the table when they're ready. What, what is your opinion on a little one that sniffs their food before eating it and very much chooses what they eat by smell? Yeah. Well, that's great. Some children are much more sensitive to smell than other children. And smelling is a great sensory experience for them. We can't really eat a new food until we have prepared our body for it. And as adults, we can look at a food and know what it's going to smell like. We can have a pretty decent idea of what it's going to taste like. We know what the texture is going to be like. We, we, can, we know a lot of things based on how, how it looks. Children don't have that. They don't know what it's going to taste like before, before they actually have it in their mouth because they haven't had that much experience with food yet. So encouraging them to smell things and describing it to them. So, you know, putting it up to your nose, this smells sweet. This smells salty. This smells sour. This smells, you know, whatever the smell is, it smells like a flower. Engaging that, those words is a good way to build vocabulary and, and language skills. And it's also a good way to engage their sensory experience and help them avoid those feelings of like, oh my gosh, this smells sour. I wasn't expecting that. Now I'm scared. Instead, we're giving them language. We're helping talk them through it. Normalizing and it. And that can help them move towards tasting it and eventually chewing it up and swallowing it. Fantastic. Well, I think we will leave it there. You are an absolute legend, Jennifer. I'm totally in love with what you're doing. I think, I think what, uh, your movement towards helping parents crack all those myths and preconceived ideas about what a mealtime has to be is phenomenal. Um, thank you so much for speaking with us this morning. Very well, much. thank you so much, Rosie. It was wonderful to talk to you. <laughs> yeah, it was lovely to talk to you too. That was Jennifer Anderson from Kids Eat in Colour. You can find Jennifer on Instagram at kids.eat.in.colour, C-O-L-O-R, or on her website, kidseatincolour.com.